In the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. The text for the sermon this morning is the gospel lesson read a moment ago from Luke 16 with the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and also the last few verses of our epistle lesson from 1 Timothy 6, which carries the same theme. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That which is truly life. Paul is assuming here that there is true life and there is something else. Something that tempts us to grab at it. Something that seems to be life, but is not truly life. Set your hopes, says Paul, not on the riches of this age, which are uncertain and don't last anyway. Besides, all that we have and all that we don't have comes from the Lord's hand. So, even if you have abundant wealth, it comes to you only as a gift from God. Likewise, if you don't have wealth, your poverty also comes to you as a gift from God. Poverty as a gift? Really? Yes. Whether riches or lack, it's all from God's hand. Our problem is that whether you have wealth or not, our sinful flesh is always tempted to grasp onto our money as God. The flesh will grab at it so tightly that we will let go of Jesus in order to get a better grip. In our sin, we will never have enough. So Jesus puts to death our sinful self by showing us this picture of the rich man in hell. It's a picture of, of what we deserve. Whether we have riches or not, our self-focused money-grabbing condemns us all. But with his gospel, the Lord raises us up and gives us true life in him. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus lays before us life and death. The rich man seemed full of life, abundance of food, clothes, and all that money could buy. You might say that he was living the good life. But his life of abundance proved empty as it was headed toward eternal death. His life looked full, but it was empty. Lazarus seemed full of death. His skin was decaying on his body as though he was in the grave. He was outcast, unclean, no livelihood, and nothing to live for. Longing for crumbs and licked by dogs. Not what we consider to be the good life. But he grasped a life that was truly life. For his earthly life of emptiness and death was toward eternal life. 
His life looked empty, but it was full. After his life of abundance, the rich man went to hell. And after his poverty, Lazarus went to heaven. So did the rich man go to hell because of his wealth? Of course not. After all, Abraham was wealthy in this life, and he greeted Lazarus in heaven. If you could get salvation just by becoming poor, then you wouldn't need Jesus. You could just give away your stuff, and that would be enough. But Jesus finished salvation by his cross, so eternal life is a gift from him alone. It is grace alone. It's not dependent upon your lack or abundance of funds, since it all comes from his hand anyway. Instead, we know that a person only goes to hell because he has rejected faith in Jesus. Sin is what condemns, and rich or poor all have sin, so all should be condemned. But if you're in Jesus, your sins have been washed off you and onto him, so it no longer condemns you. Those who go to hell, like the rich man, go because they insisted on clinging to their sin. But those who go to heaven only go there because their sin has been taken by Jesus, who died in their place. With sins taken away, Lazarus had life eternal, and he lived with faith fixed on the true life in his Savior. During his life, Lazarus seemed to be in death, but he was, in fact, full of true life because his hope was fixed on Jesus, the giver of true life. The true life of Lazarus was certainly not a life that could be seen with eyes of flesh in this world. It was not the good life as the dogs licked his sores and he begged for crumbs. But it was a life that was promised through God's word and was received only with ears of faith. And that's key. He couldn't see it. He had to hear it. The rich man refused to hear. Even from hell, the rich man begged Abraham to send Lazarus to his rich brothers who were still living abundantly in a life of death in hopes that if they saw someone back from the dead, then they would believe. Abraham said, no can do. The faith that saves doesn't come by being impressed with the eyes, but it comes through the ears. And those brothers have Moses and the prophets, AKA the Bible. They have all that they need to hear. The rich man couldn't believe it. And that shouldn't surprise us. He lived a life of external satisfaction. So of course he'd conclude that only external impressiveness could wow his brothers into faith. But simply hearing God's word, that can't work to our eyes of flesh. That's not impressive enough. How often do you think the same way? That if only your unbelieving family would see a miracle, then they'd believe. But faith comes by hearing, 
not by seeing. Our Lord has his true life spoken into our ears through simple gospel of sins forgiven. It's washed onto our heads with lowly water. It's fed into our bodies with simple bread and wine. Certainly nothing impressive to this world, but that is the way of Lazarus. Like Lazarus, the Lord gives you truly good life. But it's not merely a true and good life that we look forward to receiving one day in heaven, but it is a life that we already enjoy now, even in a world of death or a life of lack. It's not seen with the eyes of flesh, but it's received through the gospel with ears of faith. It's a peace for us when the world only sees chaos. It's joy for us when the world only knows suffering. It's the true and good life that you look forward to in heaven, and yet you already have it now as your own. With hands and pockets filled up with eternal riches, we have joy no matter what comes, rich or poor, sickness or health. Just as it was with Lazarus in the midst of his suffering and death and lack. It's a life that frees us to be generous with all that we do have, that we would use it in service to others. It's a life that we can't see with our eyes in times of trial, but it is yours today by faith. And so we can confess and sing as we will today in our closing hymn. Why should cross and trial grieve me? Christ is near with his cheer. Never will he leave me. God gives me my days of gladness, and I will trust him still when he sends me sadness. God is good. His love attends me day by day. Come what may, he guides me and defends me. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand for prayer.